got Steph coming up to give us a Bible reading. So if you want to grab your, there's Bibles around, you haven't got one, stick up your hand and I'll happily arrange one. Turn to page 540, we're turning to Jeremiah 7, 1 to 11. Jeremiah 7, verse 1. This is the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Stand at the gate of the Lord's house and there proclaim this message. Hear the word of the Lord, all you people of Judah who come through these gates to worship the Lord. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says. Reform your ways and your actions and I will let you live in this place. Do not trust in deceptive words and say, This is the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord. If you really change your ways and your actions and deal with each other justly, if you do not oppress the alien, the fatherless or the widow, and do not shed innocent blood in this place, and if you do not follow other gods to your own harm, then I will let you live in this place, in the land I gave your forefathers forever and ever. But look, you are trusting in deceptive words that are worthless. Will you steal and murder, commit adultery and perjury, burn incense to Baal and follow other gods you have not known, and then come and stand before me in this house which bears my name and say, we are safe, safe to do all these detestable things? Has this house which bears my name become a den of robbers to you? But I have been watching, declares the Lord. The second reading today is uh, Luke chapter 21, found on page 745. As he looked up, Jesus saw the rich putting their gifts into the temple treasury. He also saw a poor widow put in two very small copper coins. I tell you the truth, he said, this poor widow has put in more than all the others. All these people gave their gifts out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in all she had to live on. Some of his disciples were remarking about how the temple was adorned with beautiful stones and with gifts dedicated to God. But Jesus said, As for what you see here, the time will come when not one stone will be left on another. Every one of them will be thrown down. Teacher, they asked, when will these things happen, and what will be the sign that they are about to take place? He replied, Watch out that you are not deceived, for many will come in my name, claiming, I am he, and the time is near. Do not follow them. When you hear of wars and revolutions, do not be frightened. These things must happen first, but the end will not come right away. Then he said to them, Nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. There will be great earthquakes, famines, and pestilences in various places, and fearful events and great signs from heaven. But before all this, they will lay hands on you and persecute you. They will deliver you to synagogues and prisons, and you will be brought before kings and governors, and all on account of my name. This will result in your being witnesses to them. But make up your mind not to worry beforehand how you will defend yourselves, for I will give you words and wisdom that none of your adversaries will be able to resist or contradict. You will be betrayed even by parents, brothers, relatives, and friends, and they will put some of you to death. All men will hate you because of me, but not a hair of your head will perish." By standing firm, you will gain life. 
When you see Jerusalem being surrounded by armies, you will know that its desolation is near. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let those in the city get out, and let those in the country not enter the city. For this is the time of punishment and fulfillment of all that has been written. How dreadful it will be in those days for pregnant women and nursing mothers. There will be great distress in the land and wrath against this people. They will fall by the sword and will be taken as prisoners to all the nations. Jerusalem will be trampled on by the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. There will be signs in the sun, moon, and stars. On the earth, nations will be in anguish and perplexity at the roaring and tossing of the sea. Men will faint from terror, apprehensive of what is coming on the world, for the heavenly bodies will be shaken. At that time, they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. When these things begin to take place, stand up and lift up your heads, because your redemption is drawing near. He told them this parable. Look at the fig tree and all the trees. When they sprout leaves, you can see for yourselves and know that summer is near. Even so, when you see these things happening, you know that the kingdom of God is near. I tell you the truth. This generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. Be careful, or your hearts will be weighed down with dissipation, drunkenness, and the anxieties of life. And that day will close on you unexpectedly, like a trap. For it will come upon all those who live on the face of the earth. Be always on the watch, and pray that you may be able to escape all that is about to happen, and that you may be able to stand before the Son of Man. Each day Jesus was teaching at the temple, and each evening he went out to spend the night on the hill called the Mount of Olives. And all the people came early in the morning to hear him at the temple. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Tim. Uh, I'd encourage you to keep that part of God's word open uh, in Luke 21. Uh, If we've not had the chance to meet, uh, my name's Mark. It's great that you're here amongst us uh, this morning in, in praise of the Lord, but also to hear him address us. Uh, We're uh, picking up a series in Luke's Gospel. We're uh, leading up into Easter. We're seeing, uh, I suppose, the the controversial uh, Jesus as he comes in for his coronation, not the kind of coronation we expect, but upon that cross. Uh, And so we have the chance of seeing Jesus. We have, I suppose, the opportunity even to be slightly rattled, but particularly comforted by him. Uh, So why don't we pray that we would have those things happen. Lord and Father, we thank you for your word and we thank you for the Lord Jesus who came and lived amongst us. Uh, We thank you that he will one day come again and we thank you that you've given us your word that we might uh, know you as we wait for his return. Uh, Father, we pray that uh, as we look at Luke now, that we would not sit in judgment over it, but rather we would allow it to judge us. Uh, Father, we pray that you would be uh, exposing uh, to us where we the areas we need to change at the same time giving us the comfort we so desperately need to hear from your word in jesus name we pray amen uh, roger corbett is the uh, former ceo of woolworths he's currently a director of walmart and the rba and fairfax mediator media uh, he addressed a group of christian business people i owe john this story and so you can go and speak to him later and get the real story Uh, From what I understand, he reminded them of the common goal of business, uh, that is, survival, Uh, remaining to the end, continuing on. Now, recalling how he was, when he was young, he would would get on the uh, tram from Mossman and go all the way into the city. Uh, He recalled to those who were there, kind of name by name, going down the streets of Sydney, the businesses that used to be there when he caught the tram in as a young man. 
location by location, name by name. And now, as a, an experienced and successful businessman, uh, they weren't around any longer. Uh, John, who told me this story this week, said how he listed Gowings as still being there, and if you know Sydney streets now, you realise that's no longer the case. Gow even Gowings is gone. Uh, Corbett's point was not to, I suppose, make a group of people working hard in the CBD depressed, uh, but rather remind them that as they engage in business, to keep your minds on what lasts, on what is genuinely going to survive where real security is. Uh, we were, John told it in the context of us looking at Colossians. Uh, Colossians 3 said, If you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not things that are on earth. So we, we all long for security, don't we, in, in business, uh, in personal finances, in relationships, in everything. We want security. And we all know as well how elusive it can be. And jobs turn sour. Businesses fail. We know people who lost lots in the uh, global financial crisis. Uh, divorce rates are around 40%. Um, even in relationships that hold together, um, we experience those times of insecurity. And, and so um, strange and, and, and harsh as Luke 21 sounds at first read, as Tim read through it, uh, it's actually a word for us of comfort. So Christ is offering to us real, lasting and permanent security. Um, have a look, key verse, verse 33. He makes a promise to you and I, to those listening, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. Jesus also speaks about, the, I suppose, the instability of what seems so certain in this world. First of all, he, he, as we kind of work our way through this chapter, um, he, he shakes the confidence of the spiritually comfortable, showing that not even the temple is going to be secure. And, and then he elaborates on the signs that even today we observe, that ongoing experience of instability. But, but it's all to highlight and bring more clearly home to us the lasting security of his words. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. And so as we delve back into that chapter of Luke 21, I hope this morning we will go away more confident and more certain of where our true security is. But first, as we kind of work our way through it, we need to see how Christ shakes the confidence of those who are spiritually comfortable. So Jesus has entered Jerusalem. It was popular acclaim. The crowds loved him arriving. It was fantastic. And since then, he has just courted controversy nonstop. So he cleansed the corruption in the temple and kicked people out. Um, he then went on and told a parable uh, that was directed straight at the leadership, promising they are going to be judged and destroyed. Uh, he's established himself after that as a teacher in the, in the temple courts day after day, and in doing so, uh, he's been freeing people, exposing the hypocrisy of the leadership who rule the day. And he just keeps escalating the controversy increasing the offence. So he's not content with just attacking where the system is dysfunctional. He goes right to the heart of the institution and he, and he dismantles the system that they've been so comfortable in itself. So he, he takes away not just the security of hypocrites, but takes away the false security of the spiritually comfortable. So verse 5, some of his disciples were remarking about how the temple was adorned with beautiful stones and with gifts dedicated to God. First glance seems an innocent enough comment, but the way Jesus leaps upon it, he, he's attacking those who, who think spiritual security can be achieved just by association, just by appearances rather than listening to God. 
So a, a poor widow has just given all she had to the temple. And then people praise the beauty of the temple, built by those kind of gifts. Gifts that, if you remember from last week, gifts that were brought about by hypocritical leaders who put heavy weights and burdens on people. And this is no ordinary building, of course. Um, the temple was, was venerated by the people of God. It was the symbol that God was present amongst them. It was the building that um, faithful Jews, no matter where they were, would turn and face to do their daily prayers. And, and the good state of the temple was a sign, surely, wasn't it, that everything's good with us and God. Isn't that the case? Surely God is pleased, they're thinking in verse 5, uh, with all the beautiful tributes brought to him. Their words are the spiritually secure. But Luke's already shown that, that, no, it's beautiful at the cost of oppression. And the way Jesus responds to their comments would seem, no, God is not pleased, actually. A hundred years before, in Jeremiah's day, it's what we had read, Steph read to us from Jeremiah 7, uh, the people of God then were spiritually confident too. They were secure. A confidence that it didn't matter what was actually going on morally or spiritually about whether they actually listened to what God said, as long as the temple was still there, nothing could happen to them, surely. And if you remember that reading from Jeremiah 7, God said to them in those days, reform your ways, your actions, I'll let you live in this place. Don't trust in deceptive words. And don't say, oh, this is the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord. Don't by rote just think, oh, it's there, we're right. We don't actually have to listen. They thought appearances and association were enough. And so they'd stopped listening to God. Spiritually confident people in Jeremiah's time who were confident right up until the walls crashed down and the Babylonians marched in and desecrated the temple. See how beautifully the temple is adorned, people are saying in Jesus' days. And Jesus says, yes, I do. And verse 6, as for what you see here, the time will come when not one stone will be left on another. Everyone will be thrown down, just like in Jeremiah's time. So Jesus knew that that building, that temple, had a fixed life. Uh, He knew it was a fading pointer to the real place God was meeting humanity, in in Jesus himself. Uh, Jesus knew that the, the future glory of the kingdom had to come through the judgment and the outpouring of God's wrath. And he knew as well that the same people who were, who were praising God's temple, who were sitting so secure in its beauty, would a week later be nailing him to the cross. You know, real and lasting security is not in, in the appearance of blessing, even at God's temple. You know, that's the error of the spiritually comfortable. It, it isn't about just being associated with it. Isn't it nice God's things are going on as long as I don't have to listen to him? It's for, no, 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 there's no real comfort there. whether the temple or even here coming along to church. What matters is actually listening to God, not associating where God's blessing is. And if you, I suppose, if they hadn't grasped that and if we haven't grasped that, Jesus goes on to give his evidence, the sign we really should be looking at. Not the sign of the temple looking secure to the people in his day, but the signs of what's going on and on and on, the the prophecy of, of the observations we can make of instability. Yeah, so in verse 7, not surprisingly, uh, the people ask a question of, you know, so Jesus, when is the heart of Israel going to be ripped out? Um, you know, it's a fairly shocking thing to say. When will judgment like this happen? You know, what, what are the signs? What's the evidence? What's the proof? And, and Jesus doesn't choose to answer with a straightforward date. He doesn't go, oh yeah, it'll be Wednesday, the 5th of April, um, you know, 
get ready now. No, no. First thing, he warns them in verse 8, don't take it into your own hands. Watch out for those Christs who come, those who claim and call allegiance to try and bring it about. Don't, don't follow after them. And then after that, he gives this kind of, if I can call it, a stylized answer. Uh, he picks up prophetic language. It's not about having a, a single his precise historical moment of fulfilment. It's about having patterns. It's about having layers of fulfilment where you can spot a few times, but it's an ongoing pattern. And there are features of the signs, features of this prophecy. What are the signs to look for if you're feeling spiritually comfortable and you shouldn't? Well, you look at the instability of what's going on. Instability. Um, he, he picks up four features. Uh, the first is tumult. Uh, tumultuous times, verse 9 to 11, there are going to be wars and there are going to be natural disasters. There's going to be ongoing terrors inflicted by humanity and upon humanity. And then he moves on. Secondly, there'll be persecution in 12 to 19. Uh, Jesus promises that that those who bear his name, in verse 12, uh, will be persecuted. Uh, Not just by the state, but they'll be persecuted even in verse 16 by their friends and family rejecting them. You know, popular wisdom in the face of persecution would be, you know, renounce Jesus, save your life. But Jesus makes it clear in verse 19, no, 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 the opposite is actually true. The third sign will be the, the desecration and judgment of Jerusalem, verse 20 and 20 to 24. So normally Jesus outlines a kind of war situation. Normally if you're surrounded by your enemies, um, it's much safer to be inside a big city with nice solid walls than out on the plains. Unless, of course, the situation is so bad that the city has no chance. That'll be their situation. That's what Jesus says awaits Jerusalem. So in verse 21, you'd be better to flee. That was actually the same advice Jeremiah had given in his day that no one listened to. Because the enemy will come and desecrate God's holy temple. The fourth sign uh, is an escalation of all that. Uh, an escalation to universal judgment. So in verse 24 to 29, that the time of the nations will come to an end. And so Jesus uses picture language of the whole of creation. He talks about sun and moon and stars and sea. The very heavens, everything in creation will be shaken at that time. It was language that the Old Testament used to use to talk about the judgment on everyone, world judgment. Nothing will stand except, of course, one thing. Uh, Hopefully you notice what would stand. The son of man's kingdom. Christ coming in on clouds in glory to take his own kingdom, his throne, revealed in the clouds, bringing, in verse 28, redemption for his people. See, in verse 5, the problem with those people is that they were looking at the wrong sign. They were looking at the temple. They, they looked at the fact that, yeah, God's present. Everything's fine, isn't it? But the sign to shake the spiritually comfortable Uh, the sign they needed to see was that judgment has to come before glory. And and that's actually the the ongoing instability that we keep witnessing. There are moments of what Jesus says here in chapter 21 where of fulfilment we can point to. Uh, So there are are moments in the the, the lifetime of that generation. So when Jesus died, uh, the cosmos reflected the, the wrath of God being poured out to secure redemption. The sun did turn dark on that day. And yes, the apostles were persecuted for the sake of Jesus. They did bear witness to him and um, God did deliver them uh, on many occasions. Peter escaped from prison often. 
And yeah, there was a, a point of fulfilment when Jerusalem itself was raised to the ground in AD 70. Josephus, who, who right at the time and did records, records the horror of those times. It was a time where uh, people were so desperate that they would cook their own dead children to eat. And yes, there will be a complete fulfilment to come when Christ returns and this whole world gets shaken. There's signs that we can observe, though. The the chaos of this world is a sign, though, that we are closer to the permanence of Christ's kingdom. Instability and wars and famines and persecution and destruction, none of this should take us by surprise. In the last week, Morocco expelled 20 Christian workers who ran an orphanage. Uh, The Moroccan communications minister, Khalid Nakiri, uh, warned that the government would be, to quote, uh, severe with all those who play with religious values. And this shouldn't surprise us. Because what Jesus said, these are the signs of the time, the instability of this world. Uh, Archbishop Ben Kawashi commented on the, the recent massacring of uh, 500 Christians in Jos over in Nigeria. He said this, Some of these communities may never again be recognised in history because generations have been wiped out. Hundreds of corpses of men... Women, children and grandchildren littered the burnt houses, roads, bush paths, farm areas and hiding places. Tears <coughs> and endless wailings until voices croaked and words are no more. Uh, is there no other way by which matters can be resolved except through this sadistic and cruel way of making people's lives miserable? For me as a Christian, human life is so sacred that no one, absolutely no one should tamper with it, no matter what religious faith you belong to. Human life is so sacred we have to teach and train people to value it. It is a gift from God. See, in no way does Christ condone the kind of violence that Bishop Kwashi is speaking about and what's happening in Nigeria. And yeah, we should join with him in seeking that people learn the value of the gift of life But the sad answer to Bishop Kwashi's question is that, yes, until Jesus comes in glory, we shouldn't be surprised this thing will keep happening. These are the signs we look to. You know, we as a community, we we, we wrestle with issues of climate change and and the economics of bringing that change about. And and even if we succeed, which I hope we do, other disasters will come. Instability, wars, famines, persecution, this is all to be expected uh, because the chaos of this world is a reminder we are closer to the permanence of God's kingdom and that there is only one place where we can find real security and none of it will be here in this world. It will only be in the words of Christ. It will only be in his kingdom. Heaven and earth will pass away, but as verse 33 says, Christ's word will never pass away. It sounds miserable, doesn't it? (laughs) Uh, But I said to you, this is a word of hope, and it is a word of hope. It's hopeful people who know how to read the signs. Because if you know how to read the signs, you can avoid and be ready. So Jesus tells that parable of the fig tree and uh, the the trees. Uh, His point uh, in 33 and following is that, that both the fig tree, Jerusalem and Israel, and the trees, all the nations, will have a parallel future. But for those who observe the season, they can be ready and they can be prepared. You know, we see the signs all around us and we aren't to turn and kind of go, ah, spiritual security, God's present, that's fine. No, we look at the chaos and we're forced to go back to the one place that's secure, the the word of Christ. Three ways I want us to do that this morning. Three ways Jesus wants us to do it. Uh, First is is live with certainty 
in the promise of Jesus' words. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. That's Roger Corbett's advice to those businessmen. Get on with your work here, knowing that it is uncertain. So set your mind on things above. It means at the very least we actually have to take Christ seriously at his word. Uh, Last weekend at uh, Getaway, uh, for for those of us who who managed to be there, at least for Saturday, uh, Barry Newman reminded us of Jesus' words that the meek would inherit the earth. Not those who grasp after things, not those who push themselves forward, not those who assert, but the meek. And Barry suggested he didn't think we really believe this, that no one does really. Uh, Now, if that observation's true, it's a sad one. Because if it's true, then we are passing up real security. So when we choose our opinions over Christ's promise, what we're choosing is effectively like taking a, you know, a, a scratchy, a lotto scratchy with the potential of winning, say, $100, and choosing that instead of taking a million dollars guaranteed in cash. You know, it's, it's choosing a, a low return risk over a guaranteed high return. You know, there's a story told about uh, the hymn, How Firm a Foundation... Uh, if you don't know the hymn, it goes, how, I won't sing it. Uh, you, if you break into song partway through, feel free to. Uh, but it goes, how firm a foundation, ye saints of the Lord, is laid for your faith in his excellent word. What more can he say than to you he hath said, you who unto Jesus for refuge have fled. Uh, and it finishes this way. The soul that on Jesus has leaned for repose, I will not, I will not desert to its foes. The soul that, though all hell should endeavour to shake, I'll never, no, never, no, never forsake. And, and the story is told that Andrew Jackson, the, the President of the US, requested it sung as he was dying. It was a, a hymn that was a favourite of his wife. And it seemed fitting, doesn't it, that uh, a man who had held the most powerful office in a powerful nation was still facing death and he still couldn't hang on to the glory of this world because it was all going to be shaken. But he could hang on to real security. The firm foundation of the words of Christ. Be certain in them. Bank on them. Secondly, be, beware of being weighed down by the cares of this world. That's Jesus' advice in verse 34. Be careful or your hearts will be weighed down with dissipation, drunkenness, the anxieties of life. And the day will close on you unexpectedly like a trap. I mean, it's a sensible flowing, isn't it, from advice like stick to Christ's word. Yeah. But perhaps most striking is who Jesus is talking to. He is not at this point talking to his enemies, but his followers. You know, there's, a, there's a warning there that you know, we can't listen to the words of Jesus with the kind of smug self-security that those who praised the temple did, because anyone can fall. But more than that, if, you, if you're finding yourself consumed by the things that won't last, if you're finding yourself weighed down, if you're finding yourself worried about your circumstances at the moment, you know, look at them again from the eternal perspective. You know, view them from the way that they will be viewed on the day Jesus returns in glory to shake this world up. Someone said, Happy is he who learned to hold the things of this world with a loose hand and believes that in seeking the kingdom of God, all other things shall be added. Be certain of the words of Christ. Beware not to be weighed down by this world. Uh, And finally, live reading the signs with endurance. 
Now, the advice in verse 36 Jesus gives is pray for strength to endure. Be watchful, prayerful. Pray. Prayer is that, that expression uh, that we trust in the words of Christ rather than busy ourselves with, with activity. Uh, and to be honest, uh, I find prayer a lot harder than I find activity. I found this really helpful quote, though, of John Calvin's. Prayer is the chief exercise of faith by which we daily receive God's benefits. By the benefit of prayer, we we reach those riches which are laid up for us with the Heavenly Father. And we dig up by prayer those treasures that were pointed out by the Lord's Gospel and which our faith gazed upon. He wants to say, all these promises Christ has put out in the world, and in prayer we access them, we dig them up, we make the most of them. Yeah, prayer is that expression of Christ's dependence on, uh, of our expression of Christ's dependence on Christ's word. Uh, and even more, when, when, when we pray, we, we pray that we might endure. The prayer helps us endure, but we pray that we would endure. That's the, that's the goal uh, of verse 18 and verse 36. And I want to say that's a massive relief when you realise that in a world that is going to be signified by chaos and tumult, Christ doesn't expect you to solve it all. He doesn't even expect you will solve your own little corner. He just wants you to endure. That's victory. Sticking it out, staying Christian. James Berkeley said in Acts 20.24, Paul stated, I consider my life worth nothing to me if only I might finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus gave me. Herein lies the model I choose to follow. I want neither to burn out or rust out. I want to finish the race. And that's our model, isn't it? And what a freeing model it is to just, endurance is, just keep going, just survive. Anna told me of um, advice that an older godly Christian woman had given to young mothers about church and Bible study. She basically said, keep turning up. You know, even in the haze of tiredness, even in the weeks and months of distraction where you don't get to hear the sermon, uh, just keep at it, keep the pattern, because one day, and maybe that'll be months or years down the track, one day you'll, you'll discover you're getting stuff out of it again. You know, the successful Christian life is not having a biography that others just love and can't put down. That's not the successful Christian life. The successful Christian life is just enduring. As Jesus says in verse 19, by standing firm you will gain life. You know, we all long for security. And instability is what's all around us. But thankfully, in Jesus, we have real, lasting, permanent security. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never, ever pass away. Let's pray. Lord and Father, we thank you that we can have security in a world that one day you will shake. Uh, Father, we pray that we would listen carefully to your word that we would hang firmly to the words of Christ as our hope and our confidence and our security in all the circumstances of life. Father, make us people uh, who are aware when the things of this world are becoming overwhelming. Father, we pray that you would make us people who endure to the very end that you would hold us uh, by your word and by your spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.